Hey everyone, in case you haven't noticed, we live in some confusing, challenging, and changing times. It sure isn't easy following Jesus in 2023. How can we stay grounded in our faith, stay true to biblical convictions, and become more like Christ all the while speaking the truth in love with the lost and hurting around us? This is Real Christian Talk with Pastor Steve. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on this episode of Real Christian Talk. What would you do if you were confronted with your mortality? What would you be thinking about if you were literally counting down the hours to when you would no longer be on this earth? This has been quite the story this week that has been confronting the world, and I felt it strong on my heart to record an episode that deals with the larger issues that this story forces all of us to think about. We usually do our best to go through our lives without thinking about our mortality, and yet the Bible would would appeal to each of us indeed to consider our mortality and to live the lives we live here on earth, recognizing that ultimately our life is a vapor that's here and then gone. And ultimately, the Bible says that tomorrow is not promised for us. It may not be there. In fact, the scripture says, who knows what a day may bring forth? You don't know what will happen tomorrow. That's why James tells us we shouldn't spend so much time making all kinds of plans in our arrogance and independence of God, thinking that we are somehow the captain of our souls, that we are somehow in charge of our destiny, failing to recognize that every breath we have is ultimately only possible because of our Creator. All these thoughts have been burdening my heart to record this episode, and so I have a couple of passages that I wanted to read to us. The first is from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, which simply says this, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. I'm going to read that again. And just as it, it, as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. And then another passage from Romans chapter 14 verse 7 says, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Both these passages have been heavy on my heart as the world has collectively this past week been caught up with the story of the missing Titan submersible craft that is a ship that has been in the in the ocean and it it's uh, several countries have been looking for it if you haven't heard about it and essentially you have five uh, crew members on board five explorers who were uh, getting into this small submarine-like uh, craft that would go and is designed to go deep into the ocean floor and look at the wreckage of the Titanic. And so you have five different individuals, one of whom was the CEO of this company, and then the others were were just wealthy tourists who paid to be able to go on this incredible adventure of which only a handful of humans have ever been able to we have had more human beings in space 
than we have had that have gone down to the to the wreckage of the Titanic, which I found to be fascinating. And so uh, this this uh, ship went missing. This small little ship, it's no bigger than a minivan, went missing. And so for the last couple of days, the U.S. Coast Guard's been partnering with various countries to try and find them and to find out where they are. And uh, there's all kinds of rescue efforts that are going on right now. This story is happening live right now. And we don't know what the outcome of it is going to be. Obviously, our hope and our prayer is that uh, that these five individuals are going to be rescued. Um, but there's also a, a very large likelihood that they're just not going to be able to find them because of how vast the search area is. And particularly with where it may be, if it's on the bottom of the ocean floor, then it will definitely take uh, an act of God helping these searchers to find this craft and to find these guys. And there's a 96-hour window they have because uh, the Titan is designed with oxygen that's uh, to provide for up to 96 hours for these five individuals. And so they know that time is, is ticking. They know that they don't have a lot of time before that oxygen runs out. In fact, by early Thursday morning of this week, June 22nd, as I'm recording this episode on June 21st, 2023, uh, they may be past that window of being able to find these guys. And and all the while, they've been reportedly hearing um, the sounds of banging that's coming, and, and there's sound waves that indicate most likely human human life that's trying to, to call out for help. And so... Uh, one, because I'm a historian and I love uh, history and I'm passionate about it. And, of course, the story of the Titanic is something that is iconic in history to know about. And so that's obviously been heavy on my heart and on my mind. But also, I've really been glued to this story, and I think all of us have been, because we've all collectively had this this imaginative anxiety as all of us try to fathom what it would be like to be with five people, for five people to be together in something that's no bigger than a minivan that has one window and you know that with every minute you're getting closer to when the oxygen tanks are going to run out of air. And so you know that you are on the brink of slowly suffocating to death. And there's a father and a son together and and there's a, a, a businessman and and of course, you know, you're, you try to fathom, what would that be like? What would it be like to be in the bottom of the ocean floor and you know that there's a large likelihood that you're going to die? You are, you are confined, literally, to your grave, potentially. And I'm, again, hopeful and prayerful. I have prayed a lot about this, that, that you know, that, that these guys can be rescued. And, and, and most importantly... That if these guys do not know the Lord, that they would come to know the Lord before it's too late. But I think all of us have, I've, I've tried to fathom, and this has been personally on my heart a lot and on my mind a lot, mortality. As a pastor, I deal with, uh, with loved ones that have passed away unexpectedly sometimes, sometimes after a long battle with a disease. You know, I myself have been uh, getting older. I've been watching loved ones age. I've lost lo- uh, lost friends unexpectedly, and so mortality and life and the brevity of life and how fragile life is and how important it is to 
to to enjoy every moment and every day has been a lot more on my mind and on my heart in general. But the the sad the sad tragedy that continues to play out day in and day out for most of us is that we are usually so distracted from the trivial and the temporal things of this life that we do not even bother pondering or or asking ourselves what happens when I die? Am I ready to die? We don't like to face our mortality. And 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 some people think, well, you know, hoping that there's a heaven, believing that there's heaven and all that, you know, that's that's just to make yourself feel good about existence. Uh, but you know, this life is all we got. And so there's people that 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 look at it that way. Uh, and then sometimes there's other people in the other extreme that say, well, you know, eternity is all that matters. So it doesn't matter how I live my life now, or, or really we just want to get to be where, you know, where God is. And so we're too heavenly minded. We're of no earthly good. And you can be in that direction as well. And yet the Bible would tell us that we should very much be thinking about eternity. The Bible would plead with us to consider eternity. And to not allow the trivial things of life to keep us from confronting our mortality. Because these guys, one of them was just posting on his social media the other day. He posted on Facebook about how excited he was to go on this adventure and see the Titanic. He did not seriously believe that he could literally be going to his death by going on this trip. So often we get confronted with mortality in ways we don't plan, we don't expect, we don't foresee. And when life is going on and we're doing our thing and we're working our jobs or we're going through our day or we're doing our routines or we're we're in a good healthy spot or we happen to be younger, whatever it may be, we seem to do our best to forget about this overarching truth, which is we've only got a handful of years that we are going to live on this planet, and then we're going to meet God. And that's what matters the most, is are we ready to do that? Sometimes we can be like the parable of the rich fool that that Jesus tells in Luke, where, where we're so busy building up our own earthly empires, going after our own earthly ambitions, having our own earthly pleasures, you know, realized and satisfied, and we go about making what I would call our sandcastles in life. And 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 in one particular story, the Bible says there was a rich man, and there was a man named Lazarus who loved the Lord, but who experienced poverty. And this rich God, uh, godless man who didn't fear God, didn't care about the Lord. He was building up his own empire, and that's all he cared about. And then he thought to himself, I've got plenty of years left. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And I'm going to go ahead and just do what I want. And God says, you fool, do you not realize that today, today, you're going to be with me? And then what? who's going to get all those things that you have laid up? Now, I just want to make it very clear and put a disclaimer here. I'm not bringing that up to say, uh, you know, again, oh, so people that are wealthier uh, you know, they strictly have this mindset and people that are in poverty have this mindset. The biblical point is that we are going to have to confront our mortality and we are going to, to be in eternity one day. And when that time comes, what's going to really matter is our relationships first and foremost with God and how we live our lives out of that relationship and our relationships with our loved ones and with others. 
The first passage I read from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says that it is appointed for man to die once. It's appointed for man to die once. We're going to die once. All of us, we're not getting out of this life alive. Unless we happen to be the generation that's here when Jesus comes, and that could very well be true. But throughout all of human history and until however much more time we have until Jesus comes, we are going to die. We are not going to be on this planet forever. And we sent, we tend to spend far more time preparing for investing in a house, preparing for investing in our kids' college, preparing for investing in retirement, even preparing for life insurance. And yet we're not prepared oftentimes for where we will spend eternity. And that is going to be the most important thing where we will spend eternity. With all the news of the Titan and everything that's been happening, I was recently thinking about this well-known Christian evangelist named John Harper who happened to be a passenger on the Titanic with his daughter and I believe a family member. His wife had already passed away. He was traveling to the States on the Titanic to be able to preach in churches and, 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 and do revival and do all kinds of cool things for God. And he was very passionate about the Lord. And when the ship was going down, it looks from all the records and from eyewitnesses like he chose to have his daughter be safely on one of the lifeboats, but he opted not to go, to go on one so that he could stay behind and warn other people about their need to be ready to meet God. And according to eyewitnesses who survived the Titanic disaster, John Harper was going around telling everyone, quoting the scriptures, telling them, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And he went around from passenger to passenger to passenger and he kept asking them, are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready to meet the Lord? One passenger, he reportedly asked if he, if he had Jesus and trusted in him as his savior. And the man said no and said he didn't want to do that. And Harper handed him his life jacket and said, here, you need this more than I do. See, that's the kind of urgency. That's the kind of recognition of the importance of being ready for eternity that John Harper had. And he understood that. And sadly, too often, so many people don't. The reality is, according to the Bible in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, God has put eternity in the heart of man. God has put eternity in the heart of man. As C.S. Lewis once said, if I have a desire for things that no experience in this world can satisfy, then the most logical explanation is that I was made for another world. We have been made to long for more than this life, to long for more than anything this world is going to be able to offer us. The Bible says that God created man in his own image. And part of us being made in his image means that we, like God, will continue to exist after we physically die. Our spirit, who we really are, the essence of who we really are, that is immaterial, that is eternal, will continue to exist. We are more than neurons. We are more than, than uh, biochemistry. We are more than our heart muscle. We are more than that. And as human beings, we are self-aware and we seem to like, on the one hand, recognize we really are more, but yet we still oftentimes will look for other things 
to fill the inner void that only God and eternity with him will be able to satisfy. Instead of looking to him, we look to other things too often. I remember when I was uh, in high school. I happened to be in high school when the 9-11 attacks happened, and I happened to be in high school when we had in our area... Uh, the D.C. area sniper who was going around and was sniping kids in schools. And and uh, and I remember two times on 9-11 and when the D.C. sniper was around our area and they locked down our school, I remember the panic that set in from everyone around me, my classmates, who I had at that time, by that time, I had chosen to follow the Lord. I was a, a Jesus-free Christian teenager. I had like two or three crosses around my neck. I had WWJD bracelets. I had like two Bibles in my backpack, and I'd give out tracts. I was I was kind of, uh, like I said, a Jesus freak. Not saying I was perfect by any means or didn't have teenage struggles, but I did during that time have such a hunger and a passion to tell everyone about Jesus. And I will never forget when everyone suddenly thought, for example, after the planes hit the Twin Towers on 9-11 and when it hit the Pentagon, we were told that another plane could be heading for Fort Detrick, which was near where our school was in Frederick, Maryland. And so suddenly we were worried and we thought, oh my gosh, we could be under attack here. And I will never forget the panic that set in. I will never forget the panic that set in with the school lockdown when that started. And suddenly all my classmates who had mocked, who had jeered, and some of whom had made fun of, while others were respectful of my views and my faith, a lot of them rejected it. Suddenly they all wanted to hear more about Jesus. They all I gave out more tracks during those two days than any other time in my life. Because suddenly, when everyone thought, oh my gosh, this could be me, we could be dying today, suddenly everyone wanted to hear about Jesus. Suddenly everyone wanted to know the assurance that comes with trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Hebrews goes on to say that part of knowing Christ is that Christ came to deliver us from the fear of death, which the enemy has held humanity in bondage over. Let's be honest, we have a universal fear of death. We don't like the subject of death. We think it's morbid, or we think there's finality to it, or, or and obviously when we lose someone, there's a painful separation that comes. And yet the Bible talks about how Jesus Christ conquered death. He's the resurrection and the life. He has taken the sting out of death. And so it's not that death doesn't hurt. It's not that we don't grieve when we lose a loved one, but we have a different perspective and, and, and we have an assurance that even though we know we're going to die and we don't know how we're going to die, we do know that the Bible tells us that to be absent from the body is to be with the Lord, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. As one of my professors once said in college, remember, if you're a Christian, the worst thing someone can do is kill you, and that's good. Because when you know Jesus Christ, you have that eternal perspective. He said, I'm going to my father's uh, house, and I'm going to prepare a room for you, and if it were not so, would I have told you that? I don't know what happens when we die, but I do know and believe in someone who does know because he died and he rose again, and his name is Jesus. When President Ronald Reagan was shot in 1981 by John Hinckley Jr., and he barely survived, and, and he came very close to death, and if that bullet had just been any closer, he would, uh, to, I believe it was either his, his heart or, his, or one of his lungs, he would have died. And after he recovered from the incident, 
Reagan, who was a man of faith, was asked by his pastor if he was ready to meet God. He says to him, were you ready to meet God? And President Reagan reportedly told his pastor, yes, I was ready to meet God. And Reagan's pastor said, well, how do you know you were ready? And Reagan answered, because I know a Savior. And that's the answer that all of us now need to ask ourselves. Now, are we ready? Do we know Jesus? Do we have a relationship with Christ? Have we trusted in him to be our Lord and our Savior? Do we believe that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever will place their faith and trust and say, Jesus, I believe in you, I need you, and I receive you, can have the assurance to know that you will be where he is one day, whenever that time comes. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today, you don't know if you have tomorrow. I don't know if I have tomorrow. I've had conversations with people who have given me their list of excuses as to why they don't want to get serious about having a relationship with Jesus. They, they often will say, well, I'm, I'm not ready to get religious. Even though true biblical Christianity is not about getting per se religious, but about giving your heart to Jesus and trusting in him and, and learning to have a day-to-day relationship with him, whereby you and I are changed, whereby we get to know who God really is and be able to spend our lives and eternity with him. It's the greatest offer you'll ever have. It's an offer you should never refuse, to quote the Godfather. So why wouldn't you accept it? Why wouldn't you embrace it? And the lie that sometimes we tell ourselves is, well, maybe later, maybe after I get through this part of my life, maybe after I've had enough fun doing me and what I want, well, then I'll get serious about it. God says today is the day of salvation because you don't know if you're going to have tomorrow. Today is the day that you and I have to get right with him. We are not promised tomorrow. We need to take his offer today to accept and to receive his son, Jesus Christ. There are sometimes people that try to say, oh no, well, the Bible doesn't really talk. I even saw this on Twitter the other day from some guy that has a quote PhD. Well, the Bible doesn't really talk about eternal hell. Well, I would suggest you read your Bible a little bit more because yes, the Bible does talk about eternal hell. The Bible certainly talks about the, 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 the concept that you and I will continue to exist either consciously with God or consciously separated from God. And the question of where, which end of the spectrum you and I are going to be at with that is simply going to come down to do you accept, ignore, or reject Jesus Christ and his offer of reconciliation and salvation. And then if you're listening to this and you say, well, Pastor Steve, I have accepted Jesus and I do have him as my Lord and my Savior. How should we, in light of our mortality, live out our lives? And that's where that scripture from Romans comes in. Whether I live or die, I live to the Lord and I belong to the Lord. First and foremost, we need to recognize something that's very important. Each day that we have is a gift. Each day we are given is a gift. Each day we wake up, each day that the sun comes up is a new day of that 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 is a new day of evidence that God loves us and that he gives us his mercy. The Bible says this is the day the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it. So that tells me each day is a miracle, each day is a gift, each day is ultimately made from God, and each day I should rejoice and be glad in it. That's the days like today that I happen to be recording this episode where it's ugly, nasty, cold and rainy. 
or the days where the sun is beaming and it's nice uh, temperatures in the mid-70s. And that's how life is. We go through seasons and chapters where things are wonderful and peachy keen, and we go through seasons and chapters where things are really rough and things are really tough, and we go through adversity. But either way, God's involved in it. Each day is a gift. And all of us have been allotted a certain amount of days, a certain amount of years that God has given for you and I to be able to live our lives. And if you and I are here today, then it's because the Lord is not finished with you yet on this side of eternity. The Bible says that uh, we're works in progress, that the Lord will perfect that which concerns us. And every day that you and I have as Christians, what should concern us is that Christ would be exalted in our lives that Christ would be lifted up by how we choose to live our lives. And ultimately, that we would use every gift that we have, every opportunity we are given to help make a difference for Jesus and to help glorify his name for his glory. That has to be our aim. That has to be our goal. That has to be our focus in life. The Bible says, uh, let's, let's, Let's uh, make it our aim to please him. Let's make it our goal to please him. You know, in Colossians 3.17, it says, let the words of my mouth, and it says, let every word uh, and every deed be done in the name of the Lord to give honor and thanks to him. That means everything I do should be ultimately to glorify God. The greatest spiritual tragedy, apart from rejecting Jesus Christ, is accepting Christ and not growing in him, not learning more about him, not walking with him, not making a difference for him, not using the talents, the gifts, the resources, the opportunities, and the influence that God has given to you and using it for his kingdom and for his glory. We are his workmanship, the Bible says, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We're not saved by our works, but we are not saved by Jesus just so you and I wait till the day we die, just so you and I sit and wait and warm up a pew and listen to the pastor's sermon and clap when he says something that makes us feel excited and and it's something that, that feels good. No, God has commissioned each one of us to help let others know that you should be ready for eternity because the day is coming when you and I are going to meet our maker and our creator and are you ready for that day? And when things like this happen, when things like this occur, like this story of this missing uh, this missing craft happen and these guys and, and all that's going on, it's a reminder to me that we can't mess around, we can't play games as Christians. We have to be serious about our walk, not take it casually, but take it seriously. Because at the end of the day, all that's really going to matter is what do I do with Jesus and how do I share him with those around me? How do I point others to him so that they can also know the joy and the assurance that comes with knowing, as First John says, if you believe in the name of the Son of God, you can know that you have eternal life. You don't need to hope you have eternal life. You can know you have eternal life. My hope and my prayer for these five is that one of those guys already knows the Lord and helps lead the others to know him or that all of them could have that opportunity, that chance to know the Lord. These guys have a window of time right now. 
a window of time, hopefully to get rescued, but if nothing else, for their souls to get rescued. And we should live each and every day, recognizing today could be the day where we will stand before our Maker. And the first question is, are we ready to meet our Maker? Do we know His Son, Jesus Christ? And the second, if we'd say we do know Him, is will we hear, well done, good and faithful servant, you've been faithful with a few things, I'll put you in charge of many. Or will we have a lot of explaining to do? Are you ready? I end this episode as I always do, by quoting from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. May you stand firm in your faith and let everything that you do be done in love. God bless.